0: Good morning. It's a little weird being here this morning without anybody at any of the tables. And as I look at the tables, I can just imagine all the people that are sitting there, um, all the faces. And I just pray that if you're listening in or watching this morning, that you're able to experience the fullness of God's love, God's grace, God's comfort, God's peace. Uh, service is going to be a little bit different today not only because you're not here but uh, because we're not going to be having a long fellowship time uh, prayer time but we will be doing uh, prayers and speaking of prayers if you have specific prayer requests that you need or that you have please go ahead and call the church email text us do whatever is necessary Uh, because we will be continuing to pray for everyone. Um, Just take a few minutes now and just quiet your hearts, quiet your minds, and uh, Joe's going to lead us in a song that he wrote, and then I'll come back with some announcements and uh, some prayer time, and then Vince will be leading us Uh, through the message so let's just take a few minutes or a few seconds and quiet your hearts and your minds
1: We turn our hearts and minds to you Remove concerns that aren't of you We'll set our eyes on things above Where you reign with light and perfect love King unlike all kings Glory to your name Whatever Restore us and revive. Send us out as salt and light. We need your spirit and your truth to serve and worship only you. King unlike all kings. Whatever we may face, Lord, you are unfaced, King, unlike all kings. Remove concerns that aren't of you. We set our eyes on things above. Where you reign with light and perfect love. King unlike all kings. Glory to your name.
0: singing that song I already got a text from somebody that said they absolutely loved it so Joe maybe after our prayer time have you do it again because some people might be getting on late and so it'd be nice to have that song before Vince preaches Um, just some announcements Um, use a phrase that Bob loves in times like this uh, we're going to (laughs) be making a lot of changes um we're going to try to stay as connected as we possibly can. And even though this is a difficult time for all of us, it's also a great time to practice some spiritual disciplines. Uh, Jim Dennison talked about practicing the discipline of solitude, the discipline of prayer, the discipline of meditation. It's a great opportunity to get into the habit of reading your scripture again, of just spending time in prayer. But not only that, it's a great opportunity to take time to make some phone calls, to actually use your phone as a phone and call people that you haven't seen. Let them know that you're thinking about them, praying for them, asking if they have any needs, um, and just provide those opportunities to stay connected. And In light of that, we're going to still have on Wednesday morning at 10 o'clock an opportunity to get on a Zoom call so that we can be connected. It'll be time of a short devotional, some prayer, some sharing. And we'll do that also on Thursday night at seven. Uh, DIGS will continue on at its normal time and it'll also be through Zoom. So there's a lot of different ways to stay connected. And if you get on our, face, our Facebook page or our website, all this information will be there So you'll be able to find out ways to stay connected. We'll also be sending out test emails to make sure that everybody knows how to stay connected. But if you have any questions at all, don't hesitate to call, uh, text, email, whatever, and we will be able to respond to that. Um, I think those, oh, and exhale will also be on Zoom. So a lot of our, events that we have we will continue to do we're just going to do it virtual Um, another announcement in regards to our offering people are hurting people in our own church are going to be hurting there's people that we all know that have lost their jobs and um, there's been layoffs there's people here that are going to be hurting there's people over where we have an opportunity to provide some kind of comfort, some kind of prayer, some kind of support. Also recognize or realize that your offerings and your tithes also go to support our missionaries and our missionaries, our church planters, are hurting a lot worse than we are. Um, their, their income is from week to week and so that, if, if, you know, churches stop supporting them it has such a ripple effect and throughout our church plants. So, our tithe and offering still goes to them. And you can continue to give either by just dropping off a check and then putting it through the mail slot, by mailing a check. And again, that's on our website, our address. And also, um, send your tithe by, through the bank using bill pay. So, there's a v- variety of ways where you can continue to support the church as we continue to support our missionaries and even the people that are here. And once again, if you have any questions about any of this, contact um, contact us, contact Sherilyn, and she will take care of that for you. Normally we would be spending time sharing at our tables, prayer requests, share with your family, share with your friends. If you're sitting home alone watching this, um, call somebody. And if you're with your family, gather, share share your concerns, and hold hands. And I'll just have a time of prayer, and then Joe will come back up and do that song again. And then Vince will provide the sermon. Father, we do thank you and praise you for this day. And Lord, it feels a little bit like we're the underground church, gathering in secret, nobody's here, sending out a message, but it's your message. And we thank you for the opportunity that we have to be able to continue to stay connected, that your message, your truth can continue to go forth. And Lord, there's a lot of people that are questioning, hurting, Wondering what the next steps are, what's going to happen next. And Lord, we just remove all those concerns. Remove the fears. Not that they aren't real, but help us to recognize that we've always lived with an illusion that we're we're in control. And once again, this just proves how little control we have over the events that take place and that you are ultimately in control. So help this be a time of revival in people's hearts, recognizing that life is centered upon you and that there's nothing that we can do that's going to change the events, but that we can be responsible, we can be faithful to respond through you. And Lord, remove fears. And as I mentioned before, a lot of things have been canceled, but faith, hope, and love has not been canceled. So for people who are concerned or people who are worried, legitimately, help them also legitimately turn to you and trust in you. Turn to one another and help encourage and support one another. And Father, we ask that you continue to be with churches throughout the city of Aurora that are meeting today again, through through Facebook Live, through websites, through Zoom calls, that those who are isolated can feel some form of connection. Don't let this be a barrier to your love flowing through our lives and our ability to love others. Again, Father, we thank you, we praise you, we ask your continued guidance and blessing upon each of us, upon our days, and renewing us fresh ideas and how we can minister and reach out not only to one another, but to our neighbors and to our community. Let this be a time where the church truly, truly shines with radical love, radical compassion, radical care and prayer and understanding. It's a time of the opportunity for the church to truly be the light and darkness. We thank you and we praise you and we ask these things. They have our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.
1: <clears throat> this song actually started taking shape about 10 years ago when uh, I had to face my own new normal. Doctors were running out of ideas on how to fix my. Physical heart, and I had a baby on the way, and uh, I had to focus on things that were remaining the same because everything else was changing. And in the last ten years, I've seen a lot of, um, I've seen a lot of people's normal get turned upside down. We turn our hearts and minds to you. Remove concerns that aren't of you. We'll set our eyes on things above. Where you reign with light and perfect love. King unlike all kings. Ever we may face Lord you are unfazed restore us and revive send us out as salt and light we need your spirit and your truth to serve worship only whatever we may face Lord you are unfazed we turn our hearts and minds to you remove concerns that aren't of you we'll set our eyes on things above where you
2: Thank you, Joe, for that great song. Let's just pray and get right into the word, shall we? Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to share your word, to learn from you, knowing that there is no barrier to our fellowship. There is no barrier to your love toward us who believe, and let us continue to be that light and that love as we uh, persist in faith, persist in love, persist as a church. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Okay, so today, uh, it is real out there, but my, my title is Get Real. It's real, but get real, okay? Now, now... Some of you have seen the movie The Matrix. Some of you have seen the movie Inception. And if you haven't, you now have plenty of time to check those out. But those films, one of the central questions they deal with is the question that philosophers and metaphysicians have been dealing with for centuries What is reality? What is real? How do we know what's real, right? And those two films both build on um, one of those key questions asked by uh, the famous uh, uh, philosopher Descartes, Rene Descartes, seventeenth-century French philosopher. Have you done geometry? You know him. Um, but it—he asks a question that we need to ask ourselves. What is reality? Now, the dictionary says reality is the world or state of things as they actually exist, as opposed to an idealistic or notional idea. And in both The Matrix and Inception, they play with this with this idea that Descartes comes up with, which is called mind-body dualism. Okay, who's ever had a nightmare, right? You've had a nightmare before. You're asleep at night. You have a nightmare. You wake up. You're sweating. You, you know, Your body thinks that what was happening in the dream was really happening, right? And so... Uh, This is the question of mind-body dualism. How do we know that the dream was a dream and now you're awake and that's real, right? The Matrix asks it this way. How do we define what is real? How do we know what is real? If all reality is electrical stimulation in your brain, then how do we know we're not just brains in a vat? In the movie Inception they play with it a little differently, They say, it, which is, goes this way. There's a drug you can take that takes you so far down into a dream state that people get hooked on it and would rather live in the reality of the dream state than in conscious reality. Okay? Now, I'm asking these questions because, in my opinion... Uh, I would argue that if we really want to know what is reality, what is real, we need to ask not the question that Descartes asks of am I conscious or not. We need to ask a much deeper question. What is the foundation of reality itself? And so I'm going to read a verse for you. From the Message Bible. Now I know the Message Bible is not a version dealt with from the Greek; it's more an interpretive Bible. But that's okay for today. We'll just let that go. First John chapter three. Let's look at verse eighteen. Your King James or what have you. 1 um, John three eighteen. My dear children, let's not just talk about love, let's practice real love. This is the only way we know we're living truly, living in God's reality. Let me read that again. My dear children, let's not talk about love, let's practice real love. That's the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. So if we want to live in reality, what we have to know is that the basis of what is real is God is reality. We're living in his reality. And what defines God's reality is love. For God is is love, isn't he? So if you want to live in God's reality, you need to be living in love. Right? If we look at it in the New King James, same verse, it says, My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth and shall assure our hearts before him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Earlier in verse 2, it says this, Beloved, now we are the children of God, and it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. Who are we? We are Christians. We are in the image of Christ. Therefore, the first part of getting into God's reality is to recognize that if we are his children, then we are like our Father. And our Father is love. Therefore, our identity of who we are is love. Love is the core of who we are as Christians. And when I say love here, I don't mean brotherly love or erotic love. I mean agape love, which is Martin King likes to call it the power of God working through men. Now let's dwell on this for just a moment. Let's go back and 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 look at these verses again. My dear children, 1 John chapter 3, 18 through 20. Let's look at this again. My dear children, let's not just talk about love. Let's practice real love. This is the only way we'll know we're living truly, living in God's reality. It's also the way to shut down debilitating self-criticism, even when there's something to it. For God is greater than our worried hearts and knows more about us than we do ourselves. Now, one of the most destructive things that we do, I do certainly, is I beat myself up, right? I I dwell on my mistakes. I live in the space between if only and coulda, shoulda, woulda, right? We make impossible demands on ourselves. And when we don't meet those demands, we initiate this self-debilitating self-talk, right? So I was in graduate school, and... Uh, you know, you read a book and you go to class and I read the material and the professor asked me a question and I answered the question and then he asked me another question. I'm thinking, all right, I'm doing good. see he, we're having a dialogue. And he asked me another question and I'm answering the question and he took me all the way around the primrose Pass to come back to the first question and when it, I realized I was totally wrong. So, I am go home. All right, next week I'm going to be better. I got that book. I read it twice for the next session, and I got all these notes. I am ready for him, right? Get back in class. You know, I'm just chomping at the bit. I'm giving him the ah, you know what I mean? I'm ready for him. He asked me a question. I answered, and we went all the way around the primrose path again and got back to the first question, and guess what? Wrong again. Now, on the way home, all the way from DeKalb to Aurora, the conversation in my, not even in my head, out loud to myself was, you are the dumbest idiot on the planet. How could you even think you can get a PhD? You don't know what you're doing. You're a fool. What is wrong with you? By the time I got home, I was ready to quit graduate school, go get some menial labor job, never read a book again because I'm just stupid self-debilitating self-talk. Right? Now, Jesus is asked, what are the greatest commandments? And what does he say? He says the greatest commandment is to what? Love God with all your mind, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. And the second is like unto it. Love your neighbor... As yourself. Now how am I going to love my neighbor if I can't love myself? How am I going to love my neighbor when I'm consumed with all of my own faults, all my problems, all the things I think I should do, could do, should have done, and I'm beating myself up, then I'm not loving me. How can I love my neighbor? How am I really loving God? See, when we do the self-debilitating self-talk, we're actually moving ourselves out of God's reality and into a delusion because he knows our hearts and is greater than our worried hearts so when we engage in this self-debilitating self-talk when we're beating ourselves up we we are trying to we are in essence defeating the prime directive of jesus love god love your neighbor as yourself You can't love your neighbor and hate yourself. You can't live in God's reality of love if you won't forgive yourself. God's taken all your iniquities, all your faults, all your issues, all the stuff you beat yourself up with, that thing right here, it's right here. You know what it is. That thing right here He's taken all the hurts that have been inflicted on you and all the hurt you have inflicted on others. He's the fear of the past, the fear of the present, fear of the future, the impossible standards of perfection you put on yourself, even the debilitating criticism you shower on yourself. And what did he do with that? Let's go over to Hebrews and find out. If you open to Hebrews chapter 8, get there myself, it'd be good. Hebrews chapter 8, this is verse, we'll start in verse 12. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and lawless deeds, I will remember no more. In that he says, a new covenant he has made, the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. His Your lawless deeds I will remember no more. Go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103, verse 12. We'll start in 11. For as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. As far is the As far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed our transgressions from us. Finally, we'll go to Micah. Of course, Pastor Andy can get there faster than any of us. Since, you know, when you name your kid Micah, then, you know, oh, forgot this is going wor- worldwide over it. Sorry. Anyway, if we go to Micah chapter 7, look at verse 9. A to get <laughs> <laughs> Micah chapter 7, verse 9. I will bear the indignation of the Lord because I have sinned against Him. Until He pleads my case and executes justice for me, He will bring me forth to the light. I will see his righteousness. Now drop down to 19. He will again have compassion on us and will subdue our iniquities. You will cast all our sins into the depths of the sea. So if God took... All the things that you're beating yourself up over and he has cast it into the sea, he forgave you, right? Ephesians chapter 1, in him we have the forgiveness of sins. If he's done all that, he's not holding it against you. He's completely separated as far as the east is from the west. It's down at the bottom of the sea. He remembers it no more. How come you do? We need to change our confession about ourselves. We need to, if we want God's love to work through us, we have to change the way we talk to and about ourselves. Now let's go back to 1 John. because I want to I hit this issue hard because it's important. I am a prime offender. So I'm preaching to me, not you. I'm talking about me. John, 1 John Chapter 3. Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed on us, that we should be called children of God. Therefore, the world does not know us, because it did not know Him. Beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know... That when he is revealed, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. Whoever commits sin also commits lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. And you know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Whoever abides in him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him nor known him. Little children, let no one deceive you. He who practices righteousness is righteous, just as he is righteous. He who sins is from the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. For this purpose the Son of God was manifested, that he might destroy the works of the devil. Whoever has been born of God does not sin. For his seed remains in him, and he cannot sin, because he has been born of God. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. Not as Cain who was the wicked one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, if the world hates you. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He who does not love his brother abides in death. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life abiding in him. By this we know love, because he laid down his life for us, and we also ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. But whoever has this world's goods and sees his brother in need and shuts up his heart from him, how does the love of God abide in him? My little children, let us not love in word or in tongue, but in deed and in truth. And by this we know that we are of the truth, and shall assure our hearts before Him. For if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart, and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God, and whatever we ask, we receive from Him, because we keep His commandments, and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. And this is His. Commandment That we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave commandment. Now, I read all that because we got to deal with one critical issue. From an eternal perspective, there's only one sin, unbelief. Now you don't I know I know I sit down Go to John chapter 3 Don't turn it off John chapter 3 Cuz we all know John 3:16 Come on everybody at home John 3:16 For God so loved the world he that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes on him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Read the next verse. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He who believes in him is not condemned, but he who does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the commandment, or the condemnation, that the light has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. So, what's left? Do you believe in Jesus or not? Go to Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9. Let's start at verse 11. But Christ came as high priest of the good things to come, with the greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is, not of this creation, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood. He entered the most holy place once, let me say that again, once for all, having obtained eternal redemption if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your consciousness from dead works to serve the living God. Now, this is critical for us to get. Because we've recognized here that God is bigger than our hearts. That he has in fact died once for all of it. And because of that, we can get on with living in God's reality. 1 John 3, we'll go back there again to verse 10. In this the children of God and the children of the devil are manifest, Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is he who does not love his brother. For this is the message that you heard from the beginning, that we should love one another. So if we're going to do that, we've got to get over the self-debilitating self-talk And how do we do that? We recognize that Jesus Christ came, died on a cross, took that cup in the Garden of Gethsemane for all of it. He died once for all. All of what you did. All of what was done to you. All of what you think you're no good at. All of, the, all of the stuff you beat yourself up over day after day after day, he already paid the price and forgave you. Why don't you forgive you? That's God's reality. When we are living a life of love, that's God's reality when we're loving ourselves and loving others. The reality of God is a reality where we serve the world, where we use the name of Jesus, the faith we have in Jesus, and the identity of love of who we are, which is who we are, and we engage the world with that love. The other side is also true. Anytime you are engaging in your hate, in your anger, in your bigotry of any sort, at any time, in that moment, you are not in reality. You are living in a delusional fantasy where you are supreme. Not God. Because when we're in selfishness, we're like Cain right? When he murdered Abel. We go back verse 12, John John 3, verse 12. Not as Cain, who was of the wicked one, and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his works were evil and his brothers righteous. Do not marvel, my brethren, when the world hates you. Okay? So let's get out of the debilitating self-talk, which creates the self-hatred, which then we Transfer that onto other people. Let's get out of that. Let's act in love. Let's act as the people of God. And know that when we do that, the world might not like you. Okay? Let's just be alright with that. Because the very root of persecution is an attack on the very idea that God has determined to what is reality, that he has determined what is truth. And particularly today in America, in this postmodern, self-referential, relativist world we live in, to say that you believe in an almighty God who created the universe, sent his son to die for our sins, to redeem all of mankind, so that we can live to bring love and justice to the world, to bring God's mercy, his joy. Well, people look at you like you're crazy. But when our life looks like light, that's when we're in God's reality. When it looks like salt, we are in God's reality. When you see the needs of people and through your love of God, you act on that need and address it, you are living in God's reality when you know you've been forgiven and allow the anointing to flow through you, you are living in God's reality. When you manifest the burden-removing, yoke-destroying power of God in your life, you are living in God's reality. When you forgive yourself and your neighbor, when you live to love yourself, and your neighbor, and God, you are living, truly living in God's reality. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for this time to dig into your word and let us take the moments and time that we have uh, over these days and really... Meditate on who you are. Meditate on who we are as your children. Let us meditate and and let the love of the Holy Spirit mend all of the self-inflicted wounds that we've created over our lives and recognize that Jesus has forgiven us so we can forgive ourselves and love our neighbors and love God and allow the love of God to work through us. In Jesus' name, amen.